Welcome to NFT Tokenomics Office Hours, Episode 6. My name is Nicholas. Office Hours is a new show that gives NFT and DAO creators a critically constructive environment for workshopping their project's tokenomics. Django and I are here to help people with a project or community to refine their sense of who their audience is, what they're uniquely well-positioned to monetize, and how to go to market. On this week's episode, we meet with three creators. First, Jacob from ComicsDAO joins us to discuss the lessons from his 25 years in the comics industry and how he's applying those lessons to selling physical and NFT comic art associated with the Nouns DAO. Second, Jin from OpenVoxels returns to discuss continued experimentation, selling artwork to fund OpenVoxels archival work. Finally, we're joined by digital artist Nacho Freides for a brief chat about his upcoming collection of over 100 one-of-one digital artworks. If you have feedback, please send me a DM on Twitter at Nicholas with four leading ends, or drop into the Juicebox Discord at discord.gg juicebox. Start a thread for your project in the Project Creators channel, or join the Office Hours thread for a discussion of this show in particular. If you'd like to discuss your project with us on air, please drop into the live recording each Wednesday at 4.20 p.m. Eastern Time, 2120 UTC. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up? Hey, not much. How's it going? It's going super well. Hello, everybody. Hey, welcome. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> How's it going? Did you collect your blur uh, airdrop? No, I have no idea how it works and it scares me. Great. Makes sense. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's one of, I, I have a, a basic understanding of it, but it's kind of like I understand it well enough to know that it's not really the thing that I'm about. Sure. That makes sense. I imagine there's some people who will not claim things on the basis of the the ethics of them. That makes sense. It's not necessarily ethics. It's more, I believe, um, stay in your lane, do what you're good at. I am good at certain things and blur tokens, not one of them. Fair enough. I mean, I think it's just an ERC-20 airdrop with no obvious value that people are selling is the short version. Uh, Although some people have been holding. I don't know. I get the feeling that there are like game mechanics behind it. It's kind of like there are people playing chess and I've only learned how to play checkers. And so I'm like, hey, either I learn how to play chess or I just don't pick up a game. Yeah, I think the chess is between OpenSea and Blur and the rest of us are pawns in their game. But that sounds about right. Sometimes you can make some ETH along the way. Anyway, this is not about Blur as interesting as it might be to some people. We're going to talk about comic style, right? Yes, absolutely. Comics down and everything comics down. All right. So what's the uh, what's on your mind today in regards to NFT tokenomics? Well, you know, we predominantly have been focused on the physical space, such as making physical comics. Um, but when we talk about NFT uh, tokenomics, we've definitely tried to play around with it, some, uh, such as creating NFTs that have a link between the physical and digital products. Um, and creating kind of unique digital offerings that can connect physical product in a unique way. The example that I'd give would be um, generative comic book covers and things like that, where you can only really accomplish this digitally, but when you connect the NFT and the physical product, you can then create kind of like, I'm not going to say a new kind of NFT, but you know, potentially a new experience and also an experience that might speak to people who aren't in the crypto community. Makes sense. And wh- what are all the projects that you've launched so far? We currently have one project that is actively 
being launched and that's kind of nouns project and apologies for the dogs they want to give their opinions as well no problem that's the uh the, the cover art uh, generative collection yeah so we we've actually created the entire comic book on it we have done the first two issues so that's 22 pages of art each so the generative cover gets you a generative cover but it actually also gives you the opportunity to print that generative cover on a physical book and have that physical book stored um, with an NFT linking to the physical book so that you could actually trade it as an NFT as well. Wow. And can you get the physical if you want it or uh, does it have to be custodied? So the, the idea is, to me, what, what drove me to crypto is the concept that you can create a digital experience that can closely mimic a physical experience. And as a, for example, when you own something, you know, you weren't limited in where you're allowed to sell it, how you're allowed to sell it, what royalties you charge when you sell it. You're not limited in how you consume it, read it, eat it, whatever. Um, you know, there's there's all these things that you can do in the physical space. And especially around Web2, it seemed to be really about like limiting your experience. You buy something from Kindle, you can only read it on the Kindle. You can't bring it over onto iTunes. You couldn't print it out, couldn't do anything. And so the idea behind all of these things is when you own the physical product and it's curated, you can do whatever the hell you want with it. You can burn it. You can send it off for grading. You could send it to your house and read it. You can give it to your kids or you can sell it. Trying to give that physical experience in the digital realm. Very cool. Uh, and that's cool that you're doing the print on demand uh, of, based on the generative collection. That really adds something to it. Yeah, it's so the way it works is um, we've sold the product into comic book stores through Titan Comics. And um, so we are already printing the physical comic. And so to print an additional cover on top of that, it, it's not like, you know, cheap as in it costs pennies on the dollar, um, but it's something that becomes possible. Whereas if I would, if I were to just print an entire physical comic book, just a one off, that would probably cost like a thousand dollars. I see. I see. That's interesting. So how do you, <clears throat> I guess you have a background in this to be able to, to know, to know Titan and to, to have this distribution possibility. Yeah. I've actually been doing this for 25 years. I've worked for anybody and everybody that you can think of. I made uh, transformers, comics, games, workshop, comics, Spider-Man, Muppets, frozen, all of that stuff. So I've been doing this for a while. And the idea behind comics style was to bring this experience into the crypto space because there's a lot of art there's a lot of creativity and there's a real sense of collectability but there's not a lot of narrative storytelling there yeah i definitely noticed that with uh, nouns there's not a lot of character in the nouns collection so far well i see the nouns collection actually really speaks to me like from an aesthetic value standpoint it is very intriguing and appealing it's really a matter of just being able to tell the story Right. But can you, I mean, are there any, I just, from all the advertising and stuff I've seen, I've never seen a noun with a personality. Do they have any personalities yet? Well, I, I think part of that is how NFT collections work. The idea behind, you know, I, I think Board Ape is a great example of, you know, you own the NFT, so you own the copyright to it. So you get to define it. And the inherent problem behind that is well okay so if you divide if you define your you know nft how does it interact with other ones and i think the same thing holds true for nouns. so the noun owners are the ones who are allowed to define 
what world they live in, how they operate, how they interact. And unless you have a cohesive system causing everybody to operate together, it's just not going to go anywhere. And so when I communicated with the mounds people to work with them, the idea was to really just go off and and create something unique, almost without the input of any nouns people. Yeah, that seems to be important to be able to to sort of get permission to then do something without making everything into a DAO vote. So so in the comic, do, do you develop the characters' narratives a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. We really, so whenever you're approaching this kind of narrative project, you want to, first of all, get the tone. And so for me, the tone was the Muppets as written by Mel Brooks. Oh, great. Yeah. So the, the nouns have that kind of frenetic personality that they're almost a force of nature. And the goal of the comic is to leave you exhausted at the end of the reading. Awesome. And kind of, kind of like the Muppets where it's like, they go like bang, 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 bang. And you're like, oh my God, slow down. (laughs) Reminds me of, uh, Animaniacs. Exactly. That, that whole philosophy, it really felt like, you know, nouns like, like should have been a Looney Tunes cartoon from the 1940s. Right, right. Wow, that's going to be great. I, I'm, I'm excited to read it. Um, so how can we help you in terms of uh, NFT tokenomics and, and whatever else you're thinking about? I am interested in how NFTs can work with narrative storytelling, with physical objects and with things like that. So we, we played around with generative covers. Um, we had another fun thing that we're doing, which is um, we actually have cameras mounted at the printers and we're doing video of the books as they're being printed so that we can define cool. the first book that's ever printed, the second book that's ever printed, the third book that's ever printed. And we're going to number the first 420 copies. I, I'm very curious. How are you doing the physical fulfillment? How are you handling collecting postal addresses and things like that? Well, and so the idea behind this is there's a company called 4K Protocol that um, stores these items in what essentially amounts to a warehouse and they create an NFT that corresponds to the physical storage item. They do it for trading cards, sports cards, and some other collectibles. We were working with them to do it for these as well so that when you buy it, so if you were to go today and buy a generative cover collection or a mosaic collection, which is what we call the basic edition, um, it would then just link to a 4K storage item And so you don't have to give your name, you don't have to give your postal address, only if you wanted to claim it, would you then communicate with them in order to facilitate um, a shipment. Got it. Very cool. So you're looking to explore uh, further mechanics for for connecting on-chain and off-chain assets? Absolutely. I think think that there's a a number of interesting connections to be made. I I definitely want to play in different sandboxes. I'm making a Blitmap comic right now. Um, and, uh, interested in working on loot. But, uh, again, for me, I think that not only is there an interesting connection between physical product and digital product, but there is also in my mind, good mechanics about how to connect to an audience that is eager to interact with you so that you can facilitate storytelling that's, you know, geared to a specific group. And I think that's where NFTs come in. Personally, I'd be very happy for you to do something in the loot verse. I have quite a few bags, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 in need of uh, some of that narrative story building effort. So that would be cool. Well, it, it's um to, to give you an idea of that the the concept that we're playing around with, and again, we have to just you know uh, refine it and process it. But the idea would be almost 
D&D modules where you can take your loot bag, you can connect into a module, and we'll tell the adventure with you as the main character, you know, as defined by your loot bag, so that the story can be inherently unique to every single loot bag and, and make it appealing to every individual. You know, you can then move from module to module, your character grows more and more, and it kind of becomes almost an epic opus, you know, of your character and their growth from beginning to end. Very cool. So are, are, is there anything related to the uh, physical on-chain th- um, question that you'd like to explore further in this conversation or, uh, or just share ideas? I think there's... I think there's some interesting stuff to be done um, in in particular with, um, are, are you familiar with sports cards at all? Not much. I know magic cards a little bit. Give me like 30 seconds to run down this and it might make sense where I'm going. Great. So for the last probably like 30, 35 years, especially in sports cards, we've tried to figure out how to um, physically provide a collectible experience that's unique but within a very small package, you know, the idea being that they would cut up jerseys in order to be able to put them into sports cards so they can give them to you, that kind of thing. Um, when we're talking about kind of NFTs representing physical objects, digital experiences, and everything, I definitely, for me down the road, I see being able to be able to have like sports card packs that are physical and digital that can exist in both spaces that would represent you know, a, an actual jersey, so you wouldn't have to cut it up. Um, probably the most egregious example of this is Upper Deck. And I want to say the 1990s actually cut up an Amazing Fantasy 15, which is the first appearance of Spider-Man. And they mounted the panels into trading cards um, as a collectible experience. And so my hope is with this that we can figure out how to work with you know, those people in order to create something where it's like you could actually win the entire book and you don't have to deface the damn thing. Sorry, can you explain that the last part again? How could you win the whole book without defacing the thing? Well, see, if you had a, like, if you opened up a pack of cards and there was a physical card that was linked to a book in storage via an NFT, you could actually redeem that card for the NFT and then choose whatever you want to do with the book. And so you would be able to package things that, you know, weren't able to be packaged in, say, a sports card pack, you know, in an easier manner to interact with. Got it. Very cool. How are you managing uh, distribution and, like, your, your treasury and, like, kind of more of the operational bits along the way? Like, how are you expressing these things on screen to people? And, like, right. what's working well and what needs work? In particular with the DAO, you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the NFT, uh, like where do people go to interact with the NFTs and like what's working well from from that uh, that distribution uh, means what, what's still like a work in progress or, or something that you'd, you'd prefer or, or you'd uh, see as an improvement? Well, when we started Comics DAO, it was with one intention. That intention was to kind of bring physical collectibles into a digital medium. Um, it, it kind of morphed because when we started Comics DAO, this was really around the time that, you know, ETH was at almost $5,000 and then immediately crashed to sub 1000. And I think people just really didn't want to play in sandboxes anymore. Um, we were lucky that 
the experience that I have over the last 25 years has enabled me to also be like, um, you know, Hey, um, I can, I can also make books. I don't have to just, you know, scan books, collect books or anything like that. So we were able to pivot into content creation and such. Um, so I think the, the issue in particular right now with comics DAO is it's difficult to hone in on exactly what it is that we're doing and what our long-term goals are. And I think until we pro- appropriately define that, it's going to be hard to um, get people to buy into the community as a whole. We've had a lot of great feedback from the Nouns Project and such, um, and we wanted to play in the NFT space and not just the physical content space, which is why we created the NFT collection and such. And so you can go on to the Comics.com website, you can um, then connect through Slice and buy. Uh, the different collectible packs and we'll probably do auctions down the road and things like that. But I, I see this as something that's probably going to take another, my guess would be three to six months to really connect with the proper audience and community. Yeah. What kind of uh, uptake have you seen so far? Are people into it? What, which kinds of people are into it? Who would you like to get more into it? Well, so we've seen, we've seen a decent uptick, definitely, of course, from the nouns community and within the sub we've definitely seen some people who like the fact that there is narrative storytelling in the space and have now started to come into our discord and just, you know, start jamming, having chats. Um, we've had other, um, PFP communities reaching out and saying, Hey, like, you know, could we get a comic story told about our thing? And I think that this is how we organically grow the space for comics DAO and get people to want to buy into the the juice box which is we initially set this up as a juice box process and um to to get them to want to participate a little bit because as people see that there's narrative storytelling happening and within a fairly quick period of time i mean every day we're creating new and new pages of content um i think that can really get new people involved yeah i'm curious where that 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 like ongoing content production uh, and be best displayed. Like if the motion is to, to show the works in progress as things are being made over time and make basically all of that part of the collectible, um, on its way to like the final product, um, Mm -hmm. how, how, like what a tool that allows you to basically like express his ideas, uh, somewhat concretely with low effort would be, uh, is it, it sounds like you have a load of uh, like, uh, ideas that are very well contextualized. <laughs> um, they're definitely. awaiting finding like the right to, to actually uh, put it in motion and kind of, uh, see, see what works. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely true. And I'll give you, um, kind of like a very concrete example of, of that in, in the space, which is probably just, uh, just under 20 years ago, there was a a company created called Comixology, and the purpose of that was to create a digital reading experience for comics. Um, it kind of became the de facto monopoly in the digital comics reading experience, um, and it was bought out by Amazon probably about ten years ago. And within the last year, it was actually closed down. So right now, there's really no mechanism to read comics in a digital experience. Um, and that's just not, not just in the crypto space, but actually in the entirety of the comic book space as well. So I think we're as, as a comic book community and not just a crypto community, we're still searching for, 
hey, how do we consume this content digitally? And um, I definitely think that that's really going to be an important factor. Uh, our hope is we, as we develop content for communities and as we start to, to do it, we can work with them, get feedback from them. Um, one, one of the early concepts of nouns was to really kind of create an experience where every week members, uh, nouns members would kind of come in and, you know, vote on elements of storytelling, which characters to include, what art styles to go with and things like that. Quite frankly, when we had the conversations with them, they were like, no, we just, we just want you to make the book. You know, we think the other thing is just like too complex, but I'd actually love to go down that road with some other communities and kind of have voting mechanics that work through comics DAO, um, where you can vote on what kind of storytelling is happening. What's the art content, you know, what characters are involved, you know, even down to how people are going to act almost a choose your own adventure, uh, driven by a community. Is there much of a scene of comics uh, readers in, in, in NFT space right now? I think that there's, so what we're seeing with nouns in particular is we're seeing that they don't really care about the digital offerings. They definitely care about the physical offerings. We've definitely seen um, some really good pressure into comic book stores, bookstores, and things like that. So we, so we know that there's an appetite for the storytelling. And then in regards to comic books, um, Honestly, when you look at many NFT collections and people in the space, comic books are a um, are an influence. And so, I, I don't know that the the crypto space is specifically sitting down, going, "Man, like we desperately want comic books in our space." But I think that they're they're open, and comic books already probably exist as a part of their culture for the most part. Got it. Well, it's very exciting. What are, what are the next steps? Is there anything we can help you workshop or, or think on in particular? Some specific situation? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, well, you know, we're, we're largely in the business of selling nouns comics right now. And so that's going to be kind of our regular jam um, on a week to week basis. Really, it's going to be about getting, getting the digital experience to match the physical experience. That's really the big question mark. And that's the real tough part. I theorize that comic books in particular, like the comic book format is probably not the correct format for the crypto space. I actually think that comic strips are the correct format. And, you know, I, I would love to do kind of like daily comic strips uh, on that kind of thing. And I think that being able to play with NFTs, NFT ownerships, whether it's an open edition, whether it's an auction for the original art or something like that as a way to drive sales for the daily strips is probably a more long-term way that you can take care of a community. Yeah, definitely recurring. Any, anything that can give you the opportunity for some kind of recurring revenues. It seems like models generally break down into either one-time large events uh, with the possibility of creator fee slash royalties, um, these kind of punctual events, uh, that increase the total supply and create huge one or, you know, short-term cash infusions into a project, uh, or slower burn projects that drop things over time. Maybe they embrace different, um, drop formats. Like I lately, the, um, uh, redemption, you know, burn and redeem model or the open edition mo model on Manifold has been very popular. The checks meme was popular for a minute. We had guests last week talking about that a little bit. Um, so you can embrace some of these over time. Um, when you talk about comic strips, the 
collection that comes to mind is 6529's The Memes collection. Yeah. Uh, which is even even more compressed, like a one frame. I mean, they're they're often riffing on NFTs, but um, more like a Bizarro comic style. I, I don't know what you call it, the one panel comic. Uh, no, it, it's absolutely a comic strip. I mean, you know, it's it's basically basically the the memes are political cartoons. That's kind of how I would classify them. It's interesting that you mentioned that the the derivatives or extension projects off nouns are maybe even more interested in the project than the mainline nouns collection. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of potential around all the people who are sort of peripheral to the main collection, who maybe have more, um, I don't know, engagement with the the cultural products created rather than just being obsessed with proliferating the meme uh, without wanting what the actual those actual products are. So maybe there's maybe there's something to be done amongst those communities, little, little nouns, or I don't know which other communities come to mind. And and that's exactly what we're starting to do. Like we have a prop on Nars Dow. Um, Exactly, which yeah. is which is called Tricky Comics, which is basically a one-page comic on how to do a skateboard trick. And Little Nouns is a good example for uh, they actually have a prop where they have five people or like five slots, and people are just going to come up with ideas, and the best ideas get funded. Um, Shark Dow, we're creating a kids story with, and um, we're doing a special Halloween story with the Bonies. So definitely something that we're trying to focus on, and I think that the big key down the road like right now i think we're really just in the creative space on how to create the content how to deliver the content um mostly in a physical manner because i think that that's the real unique aspect within the crypto space right now that we're doing um but ultimately it's going to be how do you monetize this like how do you create the strip that can be monetized um you know on a daily or weekly basis and not um what's that not uh make people exhausted by the end of the first week because you want this to go on for a year or two yeah yeah definitely i mean nars is is great at this uh i don't know how sustainable it is but they've got a very sophisticated system for publishing videos and splitting revenues between uh the creator of the video and the dow as far as i understand it um and the dow is like selecting on a daily basis i believe the the videos that are you know minted uh, I'm, I'm sure you're more familiar with it than i am but they have an interesting model i'm not sure if it's too involved to keep people excited i think people uh, need to be a little bit more cynical about why nfts become popular people are often interested in nfts because of their speculative potential regardless of if they're created with that intention or not that is like a big driver for attention um so I don't know how much of that potential some of these longer form uh, repeated sales mechanisms have, uh, which often drives my thinking towards some kind of um, utility, for lack of a better word. The perfect example of, of that being like the manifold um, burn and redeem mechanism where you purchase a, we saw a bunch of different great collections. Uh, Mios from Juicebox Dow shared this little friends collection that I think is exemplary of this, where you purchase like a, a sheet of stickers and then you can redeem any one of those stickers over time uh, by by destroying the initial NFT and, and claiming one of the collection that was on that original sticker sheet. That's great, especially if you continue to sell the t the the original sticker sheet. But maybe the window for claiming, say, the Pokemon number one from your sticker sheet passes. Maybe you allow people to continue to buy in and purchase those tickets, but they'll never be able to increase the total supply of the token ID number one or something like that. I think that's that's headed towards something that is a sustainable model. Um, however, what what value those have long-term, nobody knows, but as long as people are purchasing the tickets, then uh, there is some kind of revenue stream. 
Yeah, and I think for us, for the most part, the initial value add is the story that you're telling. Is the story that you're telling compelling? Is it interesting? Do people want to uh, participate in it? And that's kind of the first element. And then the second element is, but they can access that without without buying it, right? Uh, they, they can, at least in particular for nouns, which is ceasing zero. But um, inherently, we exist in kind of like a collector society. So the best example that I can give you is um, you can go out right now and spend about five bucks and get a reprint of X-Men number one. And for all intents and purposes, it's the exact same, you know, barring some minor differences um, with the actual X-Men number one. But the actual X-Men number one is worth about $50,000 and the reprint is worth $5. You know, the, the story isn't the collectible aspect it's the moment in time and the connection to the moment in the history that i think really makes it important and so even though project is cc zero even though you can post it online for free that connection to the moment of inception i think will still give value to it how long after the publishing of that x-men copy did it increase in value well, okay. So I, I, I will say that I think that X-Men is probably not a great example because that was published in 1962. And while it did have a collective, collectible aspect, it really skyrocketed in the last like 25 years. But I can tell you, for instance, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, when that was published in the 1980s, it was within the same year, it had skyrocketed in value um, because it was such a zeitgeist. It is interesting. I mean, are you selling the, like the, all those comic books, especially the ones that took years to take off, were generating enough revenue to keep their publishing houses afloat uh, before the collectibles were worth anything? They weren't primarily banking on the collectible value of them, although, of course, they were conscious of it, but the revenues that they generated for 10, 20 years were from selling comics directly, not from warehousing uh, hypothetically future valuable collectibles. Um, but now we live in a market, especially in NFTs, where the future uh, speculative market, uh, on the, the hypothetical speculative value of these things is often the narrative that is sold to justify their present valuation rather than, you know, who knows. Um, so I wonder if you're trying to sell something that's actually like consumed and used and it turns out that it's, it, it, it's valuable later on or is it in, immediately perceived of as something that you should hold, you know, store away because maybe it'll be worth something at some point in the future. I think one thing that's maybe in the balance for whether or not it's possible to sell the narrative that these things are collectibles is how, to what degree the Nouns DAO puts their weight behind Comics DAO. If Nouns DAO was 100% on board, I could see the argument more easily, but if they're somewhat on board, but not you know, it's, it, there seem to be some projects that, I, and often it's very unclear to me why, but some projects become elevated as nouns DAO champions, these projects, uh, versus others that seem very intelligent that don't get that same level of support. So I wonder if the collectability aspect of the tokens is, depends on how strong of a connection it establishes with the core nouns DAO members. Well, and, and that's, um, so I can tell you that the Nounders are actually order are actually buying a thousand copies of each comic book, um, because they believe that the, um, the, the total print run is going to be lower than it should be. And so they believe that it will have an inherent collectability value, um, you know, from the outset. And so them doing something like that ahead of time, 
definitely gives us the ability to be able to say, hey, you know, the Nounders believe in this, therefore maybe you should too. But to, but to your point in regards to collectability, I think, uh, unfortunately, it is, it's only something that we're going to know in the future after it happens. So in comic books, our comic book is due to come out in the month of April, but we're due to print the comic book um, in the month of March. And so I will print and ship to, ship to the stores, and then we're going to see whether the community goes into the stores to buy the comic. If they do, the price will skyrocket, um, and there's going to be no more available stock. And so it's kind of one of those interesting things where we actually don't want um, huge support initially because that could create a glut, and we want people to underestimate it because that is what will make it collectible. Got it. It's going to be a very interesting experiment. I'm not sure how we can help you, but uh, it is going to be interesting to watch. Well, hey, just talking about it is helpful anyway. So get the word out, you know, get people to check out the NFTs to potentially, you know, purchase some and see some interesting mechanics between NFTs and physical product. And, you know, honestly, we are here to experiment and to have fun. Awesome. Uh, well, great. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. Break a leg and uh, looking forward to seeing the um, the physical version of it. I think it's going to be really cool to hold it in one's hands, you know? Absolutely. And uh, if anybody wants to see any of the artwork or has any questions, they can just drop by to our Discord and uh, we're happy to share whatever. How do they find your Discord? Uh, through our Comics Dow Twitter. Great. Thanks for coming through. Thanks so much for having me. And I'll talk to everybody later. Nicholas, I, I wanted to just say I, I thought it was um, important or, yeah, I thought it was important to have Comics Dow up on uh, this space mainly because starting from the very beginning with Juicebox and then how Juicebox has been able to, through Juicebox, been able to plug into different communities, different introductions, different contributors, and uh, and Comics Dow has evolved as Juicebox has evolved as well. So I, I thought it was a, a really cool way to circle back and connect the two. It is very cool. I think it's uh, great to see Comics Dow spanning across these different protocols and communities uh, to try to create something that's not deeply anchored with a single partner or protocol or community, but instead can span them and develop into multiple categories. I think that's kind of the the nature of the the space right now, that it makes sense to do that. And we definitely look at Juicebox as a system that will have long-term benefits. Um, within our space, the comic space, uh, Kickstarter has been really important for about a dozen years. And I think that this is basically, you know, Kickstarter on speed. Definitely. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious about the the DAO operations as well, but I, I guess it's it's early days for that yet. If anyone in the audience wants to come up and talk about uh, their projects, we've been talking about comics down for, for a bit. Happy to continue. But if anyone else wanted to ask about their own project, we also have some time uh, to, to have some variety too. Um, it, it, does comics DAO have uh, like DAO voting currently? Uh, currently set up. It is something that we will look for in the future as we start connecting multiple communities. Great. Look forward to seeing that evolve. Uh, Jin, welcome. How's it going, Jin? Hey, it's going good. How's it going with y'all? Going great. It's been uh, a few episodes, a few weeks since we've heard from you on the show. How are things? How's uh, how's the experimentation with Open Voxels going? It's good. Uh, we got um, the new cycle is live. Um, is uh, do y'all hear me? Because 
I think the yep, UI is lagging. Okay, cool. Um, and we kind of also have some really dank videos in the pipeline. I just published a new blog post detailing how archiving leads to interop. And I just overall think open boxels is like an iceberg of a concept. You know, at the surface, people are like, oh, look, crypto voxel stuff. And maybe people are like associating it with like their bags are down bad or something. But like, there's so many other things going on beneath the surface, such as this could be in a, a vehicle for um, various metaverse projects to find ways to align together, you know, by working on uh, something kind of unrelated, but sort of tangential because, you know, they have a great voxel editor and there's now a snapshot tool, which you can bring your creations, like at least the base meshes and potentially in the future, the light maps as well into other platforms. So instead of other platforms feeling pressured to, you know, have future parity and do these really hard things that Voxel's already solved. We have like this great lab and this great case study of, you know, positive sum alignment between platforms. And um, yeah, I'm just super enthusiastic and we got a super dope video about uh, what the next cycle is and how like people can get some swag for contributing to it. Um, and uh, I'm I'm still bullish on the name open voxels. People are like, you know, uh, no, maybe not great to have so much voxel association. But there's so many like metaverse interop orgs. You know, you've got Open Meta DAO, you've got Metaverse Alliance, Open Metaverse Alliance, Open Metaverse Interoperability Group, Open Metaverse Foundation, blah blah blah. You know, it's like, and they all have these huge, lofty, ambitious goals. And I just want to do something that's more honest, more scoped, more focused, and uh, you know, just like taking a, a bite out of, you know, let's uh, try and create a silk road between, you know, these nodes over here. There's a lot of value and there's a lot of history, you know, like wearables and voxels was the first 3D wearables with the NFT metadata pointing to the files, you know, to 3D files. Um, a lot of early connectors got, uh, and builders and now like famous people in the space got their start in Origin City, you know, so... There's a lot of stuff I want to preserve and I want to build the foundations of the Metaverse archive. Uh, I got to start somewhere, you know, and um, yeah, so just kind of been rolling with it. Not really getting too many new, uh, um, uh, too much new S in the juice box yet, but we'll see uh, after we drop this video of excitement boosts. It's got like a Y2K aesthetic. It's pretty dope. It reminds me of Dreamcast. Awesome. And what what are the NFTs on sale right now? In uh, I'm just pulling up the page for Open Voxels. Yeah, so it's kind of a twofer. So you could uh, for point two have a choice. It's a I don't know if you've ever played Guy Online. Do you know what I'm talking about? Guy Online, that one form anime game back in the day. I've heard I've heard about it, but I never played it. No. Okay, so they had this mechanism where supporters can donate, and then every month. You get a letter, and in that letter, you can choose between two pieces of digital swag. It was like their NFTs, right? And every month, you know, you would pick between these two, and over time, they would get rare, kind of like party hats. Uh, they never come back again. So this cycle, we're doing like generative art, and you can pick one of the two aesthetics, but you can also leave in a memo your parcel ID, and we will generate and airdrop um, something unique for uh you know whatever that parcel id is we'll generate an art piece and add aesthetic for you and airdrop it 
So you get two if you want to do that. We talked about this the last time you were on the show um, about creating derivative works on the basis of the artwork in somebody's parcel um, as a form of aestheticizing the archival process, I guess, turning it into art. Yeah, exactly. Making art out of history, you know, and um, having something that you can kind of be proud of showing and kind of adding a little bit more utility to parcels, not just as like this place in the metaverse, but also something that looks aesthetically really cool on the wall in other places, you know? So I can see someone like maybe the Lexicon Devils crew, uh, every time there's a forming concert and they totally revise the, the space, the juice box learning center or transit center, um, they could buy one of these and sort of, uh, create an artwork on the basis of that work, which will eventually be torn down and replaced with something else for the next concert. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a way to honor these snapshots, you know, um, more than just a screenshot or, uh, something that, you know, it's, um, that we can create by having access to the 3D files as well. Hey, are you, are you already uh, uh, targeting certain events or communities that are activating uh, in, in voxels and different ways? Yeah, the lives. Yeah, uh, the lives are going. Oh, we did a p- uh, panel last week in Hyperfly, um, talking about other stuff, just like Avatar and Tropability, but Rizzo was there and it just, uh, we also just kind of like did some world hopping around Hyperfly, but they're they're keen on doing more collaborations and activations together. Right on. Yeah, I wonder how to kind of uh, also uh, uh, like recognize the forming event happening Friday as like a showcase for folks who are less ingrained in Voxel's world, but already make the effort maybe like once a month to do the the voxel uh the forming events it's like uh incredibly produced and really great artists but this not part of their normal cadence to also be like hey here's something also happening uh that takes this whole concept and like stretches your imagination one level further uh, we do have grants for artists so if you use any of the arts from the data sets because uh, we upload all the 3d files um to various places and make some really dope art out of it you could um get some guaranteed mints you know a little bit of f for that uh, we want to propagate metaverse and up through awesome art yeah i see uh wacko in the audience i don't know if uh um i'm, I'm curious to hear wacko's thoughts uh, maybe not here now if you don't want to speak uh, but germs too uh, it's, it's, it's not more in the future okay. in germs one thing that this makes me think is like um, you know they're point to ETH they're uh, for, for these artworks and it feels like maybe you know, I, I'd love to hear from from some actual voxel architects but my intuition is that people put a lot of effort into building out the property, building out the parcels, uh, and, and they eventually maybe tear them down and recreate them because they don't want to buy a new parcel just to create new artwork. And the parcels are linked places and they become situated like places where happenings occur repeatedly. So you want to change the architecture on top of the space and you don't want to just purchase new parcels for all the, because of the expense and, and the, the shelling point of them. Yeah. It just kind of slow down there because it's like, we don't have, um, we're, we're, when we archive these things and, uh, are creating this art, uh, right now we're not 
doing any of the images or the uh, Vox files or Megavox files. So there's a lot of features that are stripped out that uh, I talk about in the latest blog post, like um, getting into the details of this snapshot tool that we built with HyperFi. Uh, we can pull down this information and we do grab all the metadata to recreate everything with all the fancy, you know, media graphics and Vox models. But at the moment, um, we're, we're just kind of focusing on just like the, the base, uh, cubes and next the light maps. Got it. And then we can build on top and maybe we can do that next cycle where it's like for a special price, we'll do a, as good as of a preservation as we can of your parcel to immortalize it as a special service. Which parts get preserved in the current thing? Let's say the juice box place as it is today. As a GLTF file, as it where what we're downloading and archiving at the moment is just the base box um, cubes, the primitives, and the custom tiles that you're using for that. So all of the the Vox models that are made in Magic of Voxel, you know, we could grab that information, but at the moment we're not attaching it because it, it blows up the file size and we want to make it so that you can still kind of explore the skeleton of the entire world because with optimization i'm still able to load everything into uh unity you know which just barely on a 3080 32 uh, gigs um machine i'm able to load almost 9,000 parcels um and i've got a really awesome idea for an immersive uh museum slash art gallery uh, which I kind of alluded to, but I'll, I'll drop some alpha here. And it's basically that since we have a snapshot of 2019 and 2022, these two eras, I was thinking, have you ever seen photography where they compose the past and the future together, right where like a picture is taken, they kind of hold up the yeah. old picture in front of the new place. Yeah, sure. I'm thinking of doing that with old screenshots and the new time capsule like um, world. So like, exactly where that screenshot is taken you can see a window to the past and in the old world some new screenshots of you know what it is in the future and there so it's kind of a blending of the past and the future as a huge art walk kind of gallery experience very cool Part of me wants to say, you know, this is like you know, crypto voxels is already a very niche interest, and this is a niche within a niche uh, of of interest. So I don't know how widely the NFTs will ever sell realistically, unless there is some way that you can create a piece of art that essentially allows voxel architects to uh, do some kind of drop on the basis of the artwork that they that they commission from you or someone commissions from you on their behalf. Oh, that's cool. Like a collab, you know, I could turn their work into like a on-chain HTML kind of thingy. It would be cool to say like, uh, you know, there's a forming concert coming up. Okay. Someone maybe even from Lexicon says, well, we did up this whole space. So we'll, we'll gladly give Jin, I don't know, 0.15 ETH to take a snapshot in great detail of the space. Because if, I think if you're cutting it down the middle between it's an archive, but it doesn't include any of the stuff that you built, really. The, 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 this seems like a hard sell. Yeah, that's fine. This is right now an art project, a labor of love. You know, I want to do something to honor the uh, our history, the builders, and um, do something that kind of uh, I think is beautiful, inspirational, even though it's niche, you know, and I don't expect a lot of sales. 
I do have some stuff, you know, tricks up my back for um, striking a wider audience sort of thing with open boxels because, you know, I archived all the uh, uh, sandbox game assets. So we have some fun things that we could do there as well as Decentraland, but I don't know if that's going to be the same DAO because voxels, Decentraland, that's not really voxels, but we could do some stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and if we do some cool drops in the future, then maybe the OGs that cared about these niche things can be rewarded somehow uh, by being OG collectors. It, it seems to me like the people who are your fans are, like your customers are ultimately the voxel architects. And then their fans are potential crossover markets for some ultimate conclusion of open voxels or whatever uh, the name of the organization does. But how in touch are, I know there's the M3 people who are in open voxels, but is there, how in touch are you with like, for instance, the lexicon devils, uh, workers, laborers, whatever the, the lexicon devils, people like that, because it seems to me like being appealing to them is really what's going to matter for, uh, you know, having an impact in the way that you want. Those are the people who care the most. Yeah, I agree. I, I would love to do a uh, in-world VR podcast and like the voxel, I can build like a voxel aesthetic studio and then maybe me and the whip crew can do like a podcast in there talking about open voxels or, you know, some kind of events where um, we we chat about it and to reach those types of people because I don't think I'm super in touch with uh, a lot of the those builders i you know i am here and there with some builders i actively post in the discord um but uh it's it's grown so much you know like every time i go around and walk around i see something new and um yeah it's like uh i know so much history about my corner of origin city you know if you go east of the center that's kind of like uh our turf over there with makers and junkyard but there's so much more history and lore and communities that it's just such a massive space now i think a, a weekly podcast recorded in uh metaverse with the architects would be a great idea for trying to establish and i i've i've said something similar around lexicon for forming in the sort of underground nft scene and i think for you it would apply for the voxel architect uh metaverse fanatic scene the builder scene is I think there's not a lot of, there is no like a water cooler for these two communities. Uh, and people often end up in their own little silo. Um, and creating a space where people can meet each other is maybe a, a prelude to them being interested in supporting the the archival work that you're doing. Yeah. And I'm trying to build those types of spaces outside of voxels, you know? So like um, a VR chat museum, per, you know, and a hyperfi like world and stuff like that. So we could um, kind of get some of those futures out of the box, red pill on interoperability, and uh, just kind of like uh, talk about. Um, I think a weekly thing would be cool, but that's a lot of work. Also, I was thinking for an open voxels campaign, maybe there's some incentive to add a poster to your parcel uh, for what we're doing, like add a poster and tweet and you get like some open voxel tokens and that could contribute towards um, a eventual like archive snapshot for a flat rate or something. Yeah, we're all, I think there's also going to be some new 
tool affordances uh, in the near future too. That hopefully will you'll you'll. It makes me think if we can if we can do storefronts on JB that sell wearables directly into uh, like a, a voxel or something or assets or architecture assets or something. Uh, That'd be kind of cool, but like Vox is not a open format. I mean, that's what gotcha. CryptoVox is yeah, used and that's cool, but GLB output would be dope. Exactly. Yeah, it's my naive understanding. So like, I think having that as like a like browsing and seeing a file a type that I didn't recognize it would would make me like turn my head and ask a question like, okay, what can I do with with this thing? Um, yeah, but but. I think like posting many different kinds and categorizations of NFTs onto your project hopefully will also let you kind of expand what you have on display there. Uh, right now you just have those two things, but it's kind of tricky to think about how you might organize 10 or 20 or 30 items. Dude, uh, totally. I mean, there's four years of history. Like there's so much that we've done for open voxels that when people see our juice box, they... You want to see hundreds of things that date back to like like they've been on sales or like it minted out like a year ago, but it's still part of the project, part of the history. Oh, like a history catalog of some like uh, artifacts that something like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. I, I would just make sure to be really in touch with folks like Germs and Wacko. Uh, I think those, that that's your audience. And uh, I would just do what they you know, interpret and do a version of what would interest them. Uh, because the reality is that it's hard enough work getting most people to even open voxels. So it's the real voxel architects who are the ones most likely to, to actually buy something related to archiving that work, um, or museum work, that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of OGs that, you know, got their start in voxels, right? Like look at where some of the early artists and movers and shakers of, uh, NFTs are now that, you know, launched in voxels like avatars, right? They're still around. They launched and voxels. So a lot of great projects did as well. Do you think? Do you think Jimmy is going to buy Open Voxels NFTs? I, I hate to be cynical, but I, I don't think he, he cares. I don't know. I don't know him well enough, but I think I think a lot of people don't look back. Uh, you know, once they have a hundred apes or whatever he has. Um, I, I think I think the people you're targeting are. I mean, it's it really is hard enough to get people to open crypto voxels. Like and it's the easiest one to open. It's hard and it's yeah. It's difficult it's like to get. It's like moron whenever you say that. I, I know. Well, it just shows how dire the situation is for all the other ones. But it's hard enough to get people to open it. So the barrier for getting people to travel through archived museum spaces that aren't even the live one seems to me like it's all good. We can make good videos of it. Inspire inspiring videos. I've been working with a video editor who's really talented, and we're just gonna. Now that's the most. Uh, highest distribution impactful compression method of uh distributing ideas so maybe they'll um enjoy just the story of what we're trying to build and feel like being part of it is good enough instead you know because i you know i've been hosting virtual events for years around three or people always watch the recordings then show up in person it's like a rule of the internet Right, so I don't know what uh, I don't know what that would ha have to say with regards to what NFTs you put on sale, but maybe NFTs that are appealing to the people who are watching the videos rather than necessarily exploring the space. I mean, I know there's many things that I explore through YouTube that I have no direct contact with except for YouTube. So maybe there's some way to engage that larger audience that's that's only watching the videos or or reading the tweets. Yeah, but you're right; it is pretty niche and. Uh... 
voxels has gone through some highs and lows and but it's still part of metaverse history and you know if we don't remember history if we don't have a mechanism to remember history then it's going to be constantly overridden by the incumbents who might not share the same values as the ones who built the space and that's the kind of um, impending danger that i want to mitigate Sure. I mean, to take a card from museums and such, you want a very rich benefactor. You know, it's not the ticket sales that are paying for museums. It's weapons dealers and pharmaceutical monopolies. So maybe maybe you could find one of those. Yeah. No, and there are some in voxels. No, I've, I've seen some galleries where they're just like packed with like, um, you know, giga whales out there, you know? And of course, they want to be part of uh, history. And... If I just had one or two of those, that 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 set for life, you know. The Jimmy Eth wing of the Open Voxels Museum. That sounds good. Yeah, Thor. Yeah, yeah. Like you know how they have buildings named after people. Are you thinking something like that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Prank, the Pranksy wing. Yeah, whale shark. Does he? Is he? Is he still around? I've never. He like disappeared. I think he disappeared. I think he did. I think he bought a bunch of NFTs, never sold anything, and disappeared. Uh, and issued an ERC-20, of course. Uh, also, you remember Medicovan? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's a huge Medifactory supporter. That could be uh, that could be the guy. Is he still around? Somewhere in South. I mean, I uh, think Beeps, they were doing something. I mean, can definitely reach out. He's like, I think whales are just kind of, some of them are just deep sea right now. Right. I, I didn't hear too much from the Medicovan people after B20. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, after that, that's true. Uh, but so that was early day. That was twenty twenty one, early twenty twenty one, I think. Yeah, I still have screenshots of that launch event, and you know, that building in Frankfurt, the party that they threw, and my friend had a B twenty bomber jacket from Metafactory, and uh, it was a good quality jacket. But it's just like I think people when they see that it gives them PTSD. So. Yeah, I think I think I got it out of my wallet eventually. I'm not sure if it's still sitting in there. All right, well, Jin, thanks so much for coming through. Um, I'm excited to see what happens next. Hey, yeah, let me know if you want to hop into the studio. Um, I'm... Oh yeah, you want to share a link and we can uh, we can all jump in. Uh, yeah, sure. So the link is hyperfly.io/podcast, and uh, you could just go there in your browser. And this is the smaller studio that I built that fits two to three people, kind of like a Joe Rogan sort of style venue. That's uh, hyperfi.io? No, why? Hyperfy, okay. Yeah, .io slash podcast. All right, it's loading up. Uh, is there anyone else in the audience who wanted to come chat while, while we load up the podcast studio? Thanks everyone for tuning in. If it's this your first time, NFT Tokenomics Office Hours is a chance to, to workshop NFT tokenomics for various projects, including DAO projects. Oh, wow. Just checking out the studio now. You got Boombox Head. Here, are you on a laptop right now? I am, I am on a laptop, yes. All right. Hit Shift 1 on your keyboard and do Shift 1 through 9 and then see how you can change the camera. Wow, cool. So these are like different shots for a, or like a stream. Exactly. And so we can do all of our editing pretty much in real time, which saves so much uh, and done in post. And um, in the middle, you know, there's a screen sharing. So I could like, you know, we could have a Jamie pull up anything on the screen over there. 
Is that uh, is that ChatGPT I see on on the screen right now? <laughs> yeah, I like how you've got the like shitty LG TV Chrome. Oh, we could have ChatGPT in a podcast. Now that I think of it, <laughs> Django, what were you gonna say a second ago? No, I'm on my I'm on my phone uh, trying to find this link. Those so I think I got. I'm looking at Jen's feed now and seeing the post. But yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. that's the business model, Jen. For what? Feet feet picks. Oh, well, about that, I've got these ENS domains, you know, they're triple F emojis, and uh, it's the whole collection of triple F emoji feet. And I bought them because, you know, like, you know, they were being, being shilled really hard, like, a couple of years ago, and I'm like, oh, man, no one claimed these, you know, and I, so I secured the bag. But now I've been stuck with it, and I feel like a clown whenever I try and show them. So, I don't know, it's like, you know, anyone who's uh, looking for a rare feet domains, let me know. This is before my time, ethmoji.io. Wow. No, not ethmoji. These are hence domains. Um, but it's uh, like, I can just bring it up on the screen what I'm talking about in terms of the... Uh, Great. Yeah. I love Do your you Blender it? mug. Uh, hold on, I'm going to switch. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. They're .eth. They're proper, proper ETH feed domains. Yeah. So if my podcast don't get sponsored by anyone else, it's sponsored by... Uh, and domains that people could buy uh, to support the open metaverse with. <laughs> I love it. Very cool how you can pull up stuff on that screen so easily. Yeah, yeah. Total screen share, and also it has audio too. So you know you could bring up any kind of video. Yeah, let's do a podcast here. Yeah, we, could, we could do we could do one here and uh, and do a video recording too. Do you have a quest too? The I do have a quest too. It's cool for the anon context that you can have a a video. Uh, without revealing people's faces. All you got to do is uh, hop in the browser on a Quest 2, and then you're you're here. Okay, I'm going to pull that up after the show. Uh, was there anyone else from the audience who wanted to, to come chat about a project? I just wanted to quickly shout out. I see Nacho Fredis, Fredis in the audience. He, oh, yeah. The artist that drew uh, the, the Jingo character. Um, it's a big shout out for that piece and he's got a, a really cool collection that he's been working on for a while called the happy gods that he's been trying to publish awesome and big big fan of of your work and hopefully that uh that collection makes progress and seems light of day soon that's great for people who don't know this is this is the artwork that django uses as a as a pfp yes pfp very cool to have the artist in the audience all right. Well, I guess uh, if no one else would like to chat about a project this week, maybe we can start to close the show out. I guess one other little piece of news for people in the Juicebox part of the ecosystem, uh, we published um, a new repo to the JBX protocol GitHub, uh, which is the Juice uh, SVG template, which you can use to quickly start spinning up on-chain SVG. Gives you like a little testing suite, just some simple commands and a decent readme explaining how you can generate your own svgs on chain uh in your own project which you could use uh, i think the next step will be doing an example of using this for juice box nfts so people can be doing their own on-chain uh svg powered juice box nfts um so give that a shot it's juice svg template if you've been interested in doing svgs on chain but not sure where to start it's a pretty good uh quick start repo i think that's it uh for me unless anyone else had any final words oh nacho how's it going nacho how are you me. yep sounds good oh i don't know if you can hear me it's good to hear from you nacho have you two ever spoken before verbally we had a it was it was a few dms back and forth 
I'm not sure we've only spoken verbally. Cool. And, but we have, yeah, we're, we have a kind of this ongoing, like, back and forth regarding this happy God thing. There's always, the, like, nachos as is uh, doing some some collection in some museum, so you can't focus on it for now, but then you can get back to it later. And, like, I'm in the middle of another project, can't really help much, but, like, won't want to help at some point in the future. Uh, so we keep going back and forth over time uh, about that one. But hopefully it comes to fruition soon. So anyone who wants to help uh, make a website for a, a 120-piece collection. Hi, and when you can know. Yep. Uh, when you have many signs, we send all storm, things getting more for the wars. <laughs> so you finished the artwork for the collection already? Uh, the, the work is finish it. Great. So you're just looking to do the drop now, the website. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been the drop. It, it is like the thing to to think about. I mean, not just like I just want to paint dope art and to the line. The drop is to kind of happen, which is incredible. I'm I'm excited. I think it'll it'll. It's a, it's a it's a very simple and elegant collection. I think so. I'm curious how uh, the site kind of looks. Nacho is also trying, maybe still in the process of it, uh, actually designing the website for it, then commissioning someone to build it. Awesome. Yeah, I know Nacho is on uh, Super Rare. Uh, I don't know if it makes sense to you in the context of Super Rare, but that, that is a pretty decent way to just get the word out uh, to collectors. It does seem to succeed. I don't know. Wow, Nacho, you have so many things on Super Rare. I'm just scrolling through your Super Rare. You have like hundreds of artworks. Yes, yes, yes. You have 172 creations on Super Rare. Yes, uh, I have Super Rare, December 2020. Wow. It's an like a digital art since the like 80s. You know, it's like OG, OG digital do- all painter. Alex. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'd be curious to see like, the works that came decades before NFTs were even tang. Totally. Oh, should we call it? Yeah, let's call it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming through. This was a good episode. A lot of varied topics. And nice to hear from people who've been on the show previously to see um, the progress made and continued experimentation. So thank you, everyone uh, on the panel for coming through. Thanks to all the listeners. We do the show every Wednesday at 4.20 p.m. EST. So same time next week. Uh, We'll be talking about similar subjects. So thank you all and see you next week.